I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of your pastors here at Anderson Hills. You know, one of the funny things about preaching is you often say things that are pretty obvious, but yet it's hard to leave, uh, live out, especially, you know, when I preach, practicing what I preach in my own life. And today is one of those days. We're wrapping up our series on Proverbs, and we've been encountering God's wisdom for our lives, especially in our relationships. And you've got to put that wisdom into practice. Solomon talks a lot about friendships, and that's what I want to talk about today. Actually, Proverbs has been said that it's a treaty on friendship. He's a big fan of friendships, and I'm guessing that you are too. I doubt many people would say they're anti-friend. <laughs> In fact, many of us would, would talk about ways our lives have been blessed by our friends. Maybe you have a social butterfly friends. You might share a great dinner together and, or a fun road trip. Maybe you have like book club friends whom you love to read and discuss uh, that book. Maybe you have like exercise friends. You share the challenge of doing one more rep or pushing through that wall to that 5K or marathon. And maybe you have funny friends who don't need any explanation. <laughs> maybe you have those work friends who help you get through the stress of a job and think problems through together. Maybe you have those parenting friends who come alongside of you and give you wisdom and, and are there for you when you're just worn out raising those kids and trying to keep that sanity. Maybe you have project friends who are always there to help to get you, get you through maybe that, the house looking better, that house project, or console you when it doesn't go well, when you screw up on building your deck. <laughs> maybe you have the best kind of friend in the world, a friend that's there for you through thick and thin. Those who are there in the darkest moments, you can trust with anything and everything. They listen to you, they challenge you, they support you, and they love you no matter what. If you have a friend like that, thank God. Thank God. He's got one of the best blessings that we can experience, that you can experience on this side of heaven. Take some time to maybe thank them today. Tell them how much you love them and how thankful you are for them in your life. Friends like these are a very, very rare gift. There's an American uh, perspective surveys that compared the data of our friendships from 1990 to 2021. And the number of Americans who report of having no close friends, listen to this, has quadrupled. Quadrupled. Some of you are here today and I want, to know, I want you to know that Anderson Hills is here for you. Our staff is here for you. And today you can sign up with a life group or a band because we don't want you to do uh, life alone. We can get you involved. Amy Tomlinson can get you involved. I'm in a band with Mark Putman, Kevin Connors, and Carrie Wood. We started meeting on, um, on Zoom because Carrie moved to a new church in North Carolina, but we still get together for our life group. We share the state of our soul. We share how those struggles in life come, uh, come up. And we share our successes in those struggles. We also see and share how the scriptures are speaking to our life together. 
You see, God wants us to bless, to bless us with these kinds of friends. And Christianity is, is, a, is a religion that's all about relationship. Friends who love and support you and support your walk with Jesus Christ. Let's check out some of this wisdom that Solomon shares about friendship. First of all, Solomon would say, choose your friends wisely. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. Isn't that just so easy right there? <laughs> just to say, man, okay, first practical application. Your key friendships will be one of the key motors that, that drives your life. And it's up to you whether that motor takes you to good places or bad places. And it's all about choosing the right friends. The modern version of this proverb might say, you can't soar like an eagle if you're hanging out with turkeys. <laughs> That's so true, isn't it? Think back to some of your worst decisions in your life. I can guarantee that you were trying to do it alone or that you were with the wrong person. Why? Proverbs 12, 26. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. If you were with the right people and they genuinely cared about you, they would have told you that you were being dumb. They would have encouraged you to do the right thing. Proverbs 18.24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Are your key friendships adding value or subtracting value from your life? It's not a win just to have close friends. You need to surround yourself with real friends who stick closer to you than a brother or sister. People who, who care about you and your abundancy and your livelihood and your spiritual growth and your, your growth in your, all your other relationships. Even more so than your family of origin. Choose friends wisely. On a side note, however, this doesn't give us a right to, to be stuck up or mean to other people. <laughs> some of you are maybe planning grandiose breakups with some of those turkeys right now. <laughs> that's not loving. Do it in a way that's wise. Instead, think about the key people in life and prioritize those eagles that you can soar with. Prioritize those key relationships of those friends who are following Jesus and his ways. And challenge them to work that way and do the same. Prioritize those who will tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it. Prioritize those who will pray for you. Prioritize those who are going somewhere that you actually want to go. If you want to predict your future, look at your closest friends. That's where you're going. Do you like it? If not, it's, it's time to start walking with the wise. Give your best time and energy to those relationships. You can still be nice to the turkeys, but don't make them your best friends. However, there are rare occasions when God will call you to end a friendship because it's destructive to both, or, uh, both you or them. Maybe you do stupid stuff together. Maybe this person doesn't respect your convictions. Maybe this relationship is taking you the opposite way God wants you to go. If that's the case, and you choose to stay in that relationship, you're really putting yourself at risk. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you'll learn to be like them and endanger your soul. 
The temper thing is very relevant. But the truth is, is this, this verse is broader than that. If you stick with friends who are contrary to who God is calling you to be, you are endangering your own soul, and no friendship is worth that. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, he says, And what you do, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, God uses people to shape people. Proverbs 20, 27, or 27, 7, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Don't you love that verse? It reminds me of this. Being at the hibachi, hibachi grill. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Are you getting hungry for hibachi right now? Hibachi master. They're right there on Beachmont. It's a way of sharpening knives. Why does it work so well? Simply the friction of these knives causes small amounts of that knife to wear off, but making it very, very sharp. In the original language, this verse really truly means, truly means iron sharpens iron so that one person sharpens the face of their friend. And I, I know that seems odd to say, but the Hebrew is one of those meanings that refers to the face being the person countenance, intelligence, personality, and character. And this is the deep stuff that we're talking about. It's not just simply experiencing a dear Abby advice from someone. We're talking about close, intimate relationship. No person is an island. You're not an island, my friends. I love how one commentator put it. This is an optimistic view of social intercourse. It's optimistic, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. No, this is the picture of what happens when you choose your friends wisely. You're constantly making each other sharper, sharper. And it can be a lot of fun. The Journal of Happiness Studies, that's a fun journal to, to write for, it says this. What distinguishes consistently happy people from less happy people is the presence of rich, deep, joy-producing, life-changing, meaningful relationships. The reverse is true as well. It says this, this journal says, Emotionally isolated people are more prone to depression, anxiety, loneliness, low self-esteem, substance abuse, sexual addictions, difficulties eating and sleeping. People who are socially disconnected are two to five times more likely to die uh, from any cause than those who have close ties to family, friends, and relationships. People who have even bad health habits but still remain connected live longer than those who have great health habits but are disconnected. This study said that if you belong to no groups but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying in half. So the study explains our new marketing for our life groups. Join a life group or die, says Amy Tomlinson. <laughs> She's sitting right there. See? It's true stuff, man. But seriously, we need healthy friendships to help us sharpen, to help us sharpen uh, spiritually, mentally, professionally, emotionally. 
It's not a one-way street. God is calling you to do this for others as well. But here's the deal. To sharpen others, you have to be sharp yourself. If I rub this knife on a, on a block of wood, it's not going to get any sharper. Think of your friendships. Are people really better because they do life with you? Do you challenge them spiritually? Do you spur them along up to good works? Or do you just go along with everything they say? Are you a listening ear on those tough days? Or do you bail? The reason that many of us are not sharpening others is because, is because it's not that because we aren't perfect, but it's because we aren't honest with each other. We're so busy putting on the mask, aren't we? Trying to be someone we aren't. We're trying to impress. We're not being vulnerable with each other. We have to stop hiding. We have to be real to each other. Instead of complaining about friendships you wished you had, start by being the kind of friend that you want to have. It'll change your friendships. It'll open you up to some new ones. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in time of need. Born to help in time of need. God uses people to shape people. And how is God using you to shape others? Maybe you need to recommit some of your friendships to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit can be a powerful uh, work in every encounter that we have with a close friend. Everyone needs a, a section of cheering fans to spur us along to help us press on and not quit during the tough days to stop doing things that are destructive, to invest in things that really, really matter. Look, God didn't create you to do life alone, my friends. If you aren't willing to go to these places with your friends, let me just speak directly to you because I love you. I care for you. And you're acting like a fool if you think you can do this alone. It's just me and this Jesus thing. No, it's you and Jesus and another and another and another. If you're not willing to invest in these friendships and be actually vulnerable with people, you're missing out on God's one of God's most incredible gifts, one of God's most incredible useful tools to help you grow in holiness. Don't shortchange yourself. Like we said earlier, uh, the number of Americans who reported having no close friends has quadrupled in the last 30 years. Why? Well, the world has changed a lot since 1990. Most of us weren't, weren't on the Internet in 1990. Today, the average American spends over 2.5 hours a day on social media, which is a lot of time. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that social media is evil. It's a platform. But when it's misused, it can cause a lot of problems. We may have a lot of followers on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, but are those connections truly, truly meaningful? You may be a part of a large community online, but this can mask the fact that you don't have any close personal relationships for your offline lives. Research has shown that people who spend more time on social media tend to have fewer relationships and lower levels of social support than those who spend less time on these, on these platforms. You see, real relationships 
are a lot harder than swiping or scrolling. Real relationships are painful sometimes. They are. Because little parts of me are cut away in order to sharpen me. And it's humbling to be vulnerable, to share weaknesses, and to admit that we need help and I need help. Also, I have to trust others. And that's really hard, isn't it? Maybe you've had your trust broken, hardcore broken. Somebody who you thought you could trust stabbed you in the back. Maybe it was a business partner or a spouse or a friend, and it hurt bad. And you did the logical thing that humans do when you get hurt. You'll say, this will never happen to me again. I'm putting up walls and I'm keeping people at arm's length. And nobody's going to know the real me anymore. It's not safe. It's not worth the risk. You know, in some ways, you're right. Real relationships require risk, my friends. Intimacy is scary when we've been hurt. And you go into safe mode. And you keep everybody at a distance. But there's one more truth from Solomon that we need to consider. Real relationships are worth the risk. And I believe that with all my heart. Because I've experienced it in my life. I have. Friend, if you're, if you're living to avoid the risk of trusting others and, and thinking that it's really working, then you're actually living with a false sense of security. You think that you're safe because you keep, uh, you're keeping uh, harmful people away, but you're actually hiding from the very thing that God could use to change your life. God didn't create us to do life alone. We need each other. Check out this wisdom from Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and de- or defeated and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You see, we serve a God who gives us resurrection power. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord wants to resurrect the power of healthy friendships in your life. Maybe the Holy Spirit is laying someone on your heart right now that you need to go deeper with. Maybe you need to be vulnerable and tell them that you do need them. And you want to take that friendship to the next level. Maybe you need to confess something. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to join a life group or a band and make some real, real connections. What if you uh, fear being betrayed again? And that's actually keeping you from holding back growing closer to Jesus, would you be willing to take a risk and step out of the boat? I know the storm is scary, but Jesus is on the water. He is. Jesus is more powerful. Jesus brings healing. Jesus brings hope. Jesus brings forgiveness. Jesus brings new life. Jesus brings deep, deep relationships. And it's all worth the risk, my friends. Today we get to come to a table, this table here, To the one who says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And he said that to his closest friends. Jesus gives us an opportunity to come to this communion table with him and with each other. And that's what communion is all about. He talks about going first and and reconciling with people around you before you come and eat at this table. He, comes about com- he talks about communion not just as one person, but a communion is the Eucharist of joy and sharing the bread together with glad and generous hearts. 
And that's what we celebrate here when we experience the body broken and the cup poured out. And so we're reminded on the night that Jesus was gathered with his friends. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke the bread. And he said to his disciples, he said, take and eat all of this. For this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said to his disciples, Take and drink all of this, for this is my blood of a new and everlasting covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. He says, As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, do this in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer our lives together with our friends as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of this holy meal. Make them be for us. Make it be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we can be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. One in you and one with each other. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now with the confidence of his beloved children, we pray the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.